Is the fan narrative about Auburn's boosters actually legit, or are we just emotional about it? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Happy Charlie Tuesday. Auburn message board legend Charlie Five broadcasting live from Barbaritos over here in Auburn by the Auburn Mall. We both just enjoyed a delicious lunch, and now we're going to talk some Auburn football. Let's the, do the, this. The biggest, uh, I, I don't know, it seems like the biggest storyline right now with, with Alan Green being gone, outside of TJ Finley being named starting quarterback, is you know th- this national narrative about how dysfunctional Auburn is, and, and you're not buying it. No, and uh, every time I read that, the, the blood rushes to my head, and it's not from the top button being, being all the way up. It's, I get so aggravated because I see – I see articles like uh, Ivan Mazel. Why would anybody want to come to Auburn? Let me tell you why anybody would want to come to Al- come coach at Auburn or come uh, be an athletic director at Auburn. Because you have a $100 million football facility that's being built, paid for cash when we've lost f- at least four games for the past five years uh, or longer. Uh, even in 2017, we lost. We found a way to lose four games. Uh, so – that's why you come to Auburn because you got uh, donors that'll give you twenty million dollars for a basketball uh, arena to have their name on it. Right. Um, I'm so tired of this narrative that like we have this evil uh, group of people that want to just keep Auburn down by giving them their money. Like what walk of, in what walk of life do you give money to something and you don't want to because you and you care about it and you don't want to like have put your input in. Like, how many other college football programs out there do you think there are where people just blindly give their money outside of maybe Alabama and, and maybe Georgia and Clemson? How many football programs out there uh, that do you think there are that people just give blindly and say, hey, here's my money. Have fun with it. We don't care. We don't care about the results. Just whatever. Uh, we're just going to step back and stay out of your way. It's not reality. It is not reality. It's every, it's every athletic program in the country. So, so I I, I just want to be clear. So, you're defending the boosters here. I am defending the. I'm not defending. I'm not defending some of the. You know, the stuff that happened in February. I think there definitely was a lot of stuff that went across over the line. But what I'm defending is people that give ungodly amounts of money to Mm -hmm. Auburn athletics and expect to have their name, like expect to have at least someone listen to them or have a conversation about things. That is, I don't think that is just an extraordinary uh, ask. Uh, and I think, but, it but what right. about just the idea of letting people do the job that they were hired to do? I mean, I, I think that's a big part of it. You know, like how much of it, you know, is Brian Harson able to be the head coach at Auburn? How much was Alan Green able to have, you know, in hiring decisions during his tenure at, at Auburn? And, and obviously, we heard other reports about, you know, was he actually doing his job, which is fine, but. Sure. The whole, the whole, you know, we're hiring somebody to do their job and they're not able to do their job. I think that's when it becomes an actual concern. And it does seem like that's prevalent here. Well, I would just say, what does that mean by not being able to do their job? Part of your job in any aspect of life, part of your job is making the people above you like you. 
That is literally like one of the main, not, not only in, in, in jobs, but in friendships and relationships and, and anything you do. Part of the, your responsibility is to make people like you. Uh, and, and you can do that by a number of things. You can do that by winning. Winning gets it. Winning makes people like you. Look at Dabo Sweeney. Uh, like I said, uh, Kirby Smart and what seems to be uh, Jimbo Fisher. Hey, by the way, let Jimbo Fisher not win ten games this year and see what happens when they pony up. Bad. 15, They're gonna freak when out they, when they pony up fifteen million for a recruiting class. Let that let that guy not win ten games this year and see what happens. Um, that's that's like one of your jobs. One of your jobs when you go into a new place. You may have all the best ideas. You may be right. All your decisions may be right. But if the people that are paying you or the people that are over you don't like you and don't trust you, then why why do we expect them to just lay down and let you let everybody go do whatever the whatever the hell they want to do? No, that's your job. That's your job in life. Your job in life when you go into a new facility, new new uh, spot, unless but, you are the business but, owner. Go ahead. But but if you're Brian Harson, your job is to win football games. That okay, that, and that's another. That's not the only thing. Your that's not the only thing. Your job is a, a, a football coach in the SEC is a fundraiser, is a politician, is a football coach, is a salesman. He's all of these things. Okay, like there there are so many there are so many things that that you have a responsibility for as a head coach. And and again, this is this, this is not me saying that. Um, Brian Harson is guilty of not doing any of these, uh, any of these things that I'm, that I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's not out of the realm of possibility to expect that people that pull dump trucks loads full of money and dump it into these these athletic uh, programs to have some sort of say or some sort of um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word like equity in the program, like you know. It doesn't seem doesn't seem that outlandish to me. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess the question is: Are you owed a certain amount of equity in the program because you're giving it? Like, you know, Neville gets his name on the arena because he gives twenty million dollars. Like, I don't think anybody has a problem with that. Right? But is he going to suddenly be able to say, "Hey, Bruce, you should offer this guy instead of this guy"? Like, I, I think there the the line is crossed, right? Sure. And I think we all agree on that. And I do think some of the things that are supposedly happening here are, are, are not happening. Like, I, I think it's a little overblown, right? I mean, oh, I, totally. I remember when, when I was doing the midday show on ESPN 106.7 down here, I had callers saying that, like, you know, Jimmy Rain was calling plays from the, from the box, which is obviously ridiculous. Like, right. obviously, that, that, that didn't happen. But I do think it's interesting, like, you know, the speculation when Brian Harson got here. It's like we already knew Mike Bobo was the OC. It's like we knew that Mike Bobo was the OC before we knew who the head coach was, right? right. And then like Derek Mason kind of seemed like his name was already written down as well. And so to me, I think that's where people have legitimate issue with all of these donors is how much say do these coaches actually have on their hires, on how they run their program, you know, who attends practice. I mean, I, I think there's a bunch of different things that go into it. And just are you owed that just because you're giving money? I think that's that's a big question because sure. that's not happening in Alabama. That's not happening in Georgia. And to be fair, it, it has been earned, like you mentioned. But I, I would love to know how common this actually is throughout all of college football because for some reason or the other, the national media has chosen to target Auburn in the midst of all of this way more yeah. than any other school, it seems like. And this could be us just because we're in Auburn. This is our world. 
and it's like, oh my goodness, people are targeting us. But it just, it really does feel like, okay, when you talk about dysfunction across an athletics department, people want to target Auburn, even if it's true or not. Well, it's a fun, it's a fun narrative. It's a fun narrative uh, to have this, this evil organization uh, that's, that's taking over or that's influencing sure. uh, collegiate athletics. Um, I can think of, I can think of like a, a bunch of different programs where, where coaches are forced to keep other coaches from previous staff. You talk about um, Mike Gundy's brother at Oklahoma who just got fired, Bud Foster at Virginia Tech. Like there's a lot of, there's a, yeah. this happens everywhere. Like where, where boosters get attached to people and they want them part of the program. And like, you just, uh, again, like they're, they're not doing it to say, Hey, I want to have my, best buddy be here they they, mm-hmm. they have guys that they think are great fits at auburn and they're like hey you should give this you, you really should give this guy you know real let's not bring in every single coach from from boise let's let's have some sec let's mix some sec guys in there yeah you know what i mean like i, I think that was probably more of the um more of the mindset than hey you're gonna hire who i say to hire and you don't ask questions it's like hey let's try let's try to get some people from down here let's try it's it's if you and I, if you and I were to put together, if, you, if we're sitting down with with Bryant, with with Harson or, or any coach, we would have an opinion on who who we think would be, uh, you know, would be uh, a good fit for recruiting or, or offense or whatever. We we do we do that all the time. We talk about that. We you have a show that you do, you do you speculate on stuff like that. The difference is we don't have millions of dollars that we're pumping in to end up earning those type of conversations. And I think that is not illogical or like out of the realm to say, Hey, um, if I'm going to keep ponying up a million dollars, we're losing four or five games. Let's try something. Let's try something different. How about let's try this. Or what about this coach or this recruiter? Um, I don't know. I just, I feel it. I just feel like it's, it's an easy target to always pick on Auburn because Auburn's never, it's rarely, uh, at least as of lately, rarely going to be like a, a Cinderella, like media darling, uh, mm-hmm. championship contender. So sure. th- let's just make let, it's 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 an easy target. There, there's some scandalous stuff in the past. You got Cam Newton. You got all you got all this stuff that you can always go. Play. There's always going to be a, a quote unquote story back in Auburn. Sure. And uh, I don't know. I'm getting kind of tired of it. Uh, I understand. I understand. We're broadcasting live from Barbarinos. In just a moment, we are going to jump in to. Mercer, weird situation, kind of a, a unique situation to start the season. I'll tell you what I mean in just a moment. Also, a conversation with Auburn tight end John Samuel Shanker uh, later in the show as well. First things first, I want to tell you about our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the best place to wager on all of your sports action. Just search Bet Online on your smartphone or Google it on your laptop or desktop computer and browse all of the lines and props that you could possibly imagine. As week one is here, uh, more and more lines are, are filling up. And so go ahead and get ready. Go ahead and get ready. Head over to Bet Online. Get, uh, get all the lines set for, for college football, as well as the NFL that's about to start as well. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Charlie Five, I watched, about the, I watched the first half of the Mercer game because the second half was irrelevant. They absolutely destroyed, destroyed Moorhead State. And I'm going to talk about this and ask John Samuel Shanker this question, but how awesome is it that Auburn is going into their opening week opponent and their opening week opponent already has tape? Like, how beneficial yeah. is that? Now, and I'm not saying that they needed it for Mercer, but as far as just getting the extra mental reps 
as far as far as like how you're going to watch tape and prepare and build a game plan and execute. I, I think that is awesome. I think that is such a great opportunity for this team to have going into the first game. I actually think it's a violation to watch uh, tape from week zero. I don't think you can actually do that. No, but that is awesome that uh, you get uh, – we do get that look at them. I, I would hope that we wouldn't necessarily need it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, we, we saw them put up a ton of points, uh, a ton of yards. Uh, and, you know, they played us pretty tight a couple of years ago when you had Jared yeah. Stidham. So, it's like, uh, you know, that every little bit helps, especially when you when you sort of – you're not. You're a little bit. You go into this season a little bit unsure. Uh, you're kind of mm-hmm. like, oh man, you know, the way last season ended, you didn't see a whole lot of changes in the in a lot of the offensive lineup. So uh, it, it could it could it could definitely help. It definitely helps. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, I think Mercer runs a lot of different things on offense, but man, a lot of jet motion, a lot of yeah. jet motion and speed sweep motion. So I'm curious to see how we game plan that. I assume we're going to stack the box like crazy, have a lot of guys on the line of scrimmage because that's how they were able to really do damage. They averaged like nine, I think it was 9.2 or 9.8 yards per carry against Moorhead State. Like they they moved the ball at will. I mean, there was nothing Moorhead State was doing to stop that. And then it's like after they scored a few touchdowns, they're like, well, let's, let's get some passing reps then. And they started scoring passing touchdowns as well, even their backup scored a passing touchdown. So, I mean, they were able to move the ball seemingly at will. Obviously, they're going to have a different game plan for Auburn, but their offense came through the run first. And sure. a lot of that had to do with some, some option stuff that they did or, or motion, pre-snap motion stuff that they did. And I really just think if you neutralize that, they're not going to be able to move the football. No, absolutely not. I think the, the up-the-middle stuff is just not going to be there. I think we're going to be too big. Too big up the middle, and then the the only thing that somewhat the only thing that somewhat concerns me is if they if they neutralize you know uh, like a Derek Hall like that that's the read guy, and then you got to have the linebacker step up and fill gaps and, and make the right decisions when the linebacking crew is is very inexperienced up outside of like Owen Papo. Um, mm. Could could they exploit some you know could they exploit some weaknesses or get us in some stressful situations there? But for the most part, I mean, we should absolutely just dump truck them. We should absolutely – they should not be – we should be able to disrupt all the mesh lanes for any type of option stuff that they they run. Um, yeah, and I didn't mean to say option. I meant yeah. to say pre-snap motion stuff. Right, so, yeah. So um, just neutralize that. Don't let them get outside of you. And, and I think sure. that will be a big, um, a big, big part of all that. And then force them in third and long situations. Put Derek Hall and Ekuliota on the field at the same time. And We've been eat. talking about it all summer. We'll see what it looks like. Let's absolutely eat. see what it looks like. Yes. Look, Moorhead State could not tackle. I mean, they were just standing up at the point of contact consistently. It didn't matter what position it was. It was a defensive lineman. It was a linebacker. It was a defensive back. They were just standing straight up as soon as they went into the tackle, and they just bounced mm-hmm. off. And, yes. and no disrespect to Mercer. I think Mercer's a better team than a lot of people are giving them credit for. I think they're a solid football team. But all in all, I, I, this yeah, this shouldn't be close. This shouldn't be close because I think they're going to have to run the ball to score, and they shouldn't be able to run the ball. No. Offensively, what are you wanting to see from Auburn as far as moving? They ran a lot of four-two-five stuff, which is what most college teams run now. Nothing super crazy there. What are you expecting to see from Auburn? You, you want to see them run the ball, or do you want to see them kind of pass it and see like, okay, TJ, let's uh, let's see what you can do. I need to see deep balls connecting is what I need to see uh, okay. because that that to me 
we can do all this little dink dunk. We can do all the dink dunk stuff. That's the stuff TJ can can complete at a fairly high clip. The outs, the digs, the you know the little uh, the throws to the tight end in the flat, things like that. We need to push the ball vertically uh, and help get some breathing room for Tank and Jarquez. I just that that is the thing that ended up destroying us last year to the point where we could not run when we had to run the ball because. Mm-hmm. They just didn't didn't respect anything that we could do. So we got to get it on film. We're going to push you vertically, and TJ needs to be able to hit those passes uh, downfield. And if he can pull that off, well, I mean, he's he can do all the other things. Like he can. Yeah. He's for the most part in front of him to the sidelines. He can be very very accurate if you can protect him at all. Give him time to push it down the field, and then see some of these guys go go up and get balls or or go beat some dudes deep. That's to me. That's what we've been missing for like since Darius Slayton, probably like a true, uh, a true guy that could take the top off, can beat beat guys deep. Seth could go up and beat you, but it was going to be basically a one on one possession type thing. Like, there's not a lot of times where he's just going to blow past you and, and catch a deep ball and go. Um, and then we we could never seem to connect with Schwartz. And then last year we just never could complete a deep ball. So that's what I want to see. I want to see deep balls. I want to see us making it rain down the field. That, that to me, would, would show me a sign that we've gotten a lot better. We've, we've progressed and we've, we're, we're kind of ready to go. Do you want to predict how they handle the quarterback situation? After all these reports about TJ Finley kind of separating himself over the yeah. past week, I'm kind of not buying as much of the Robbie stuff as I was a week ago. No, I think it benefits Auburn the most – for TJ for this season, for TJ to get as many reps in game time as, and, and build, it's a perfect stepping stone game, like to get to Penn State. You don't want to like I, I don't really get the whole let's let the quarterback battle roll into Penn State and then you got your starter for, for Penn State. No, I mean if if we want to give Robbie some goal line stuff or short yardage stuff, I like that. I like that. I like to have cool packages you can put out there on film for people to see. Yeah. But I want I mean if TJ's the guy, which I think he's been the guy for a while now, let's go ahead and build it around him. Let's go ahead and give him all the give him all the resources, everything he can to push it and go. And that's what uh that's what I that's what I want to see. I want to see TJ light it up, and I want him to light it up hard for two games and 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 have everybody fired up to go when Penn State comes into town. And uh, I, that's that's what I want to see. I want to see TJ yep. making it rain. You got a score prediction before uh, before we let you go. Sure. So I'll say something like 55 to 14, something like that. Okay. I, I think that would be a win. Obviously, yeah. it depends on what the, the 55 and what the 14 looked like, but I sure. absolutely think that would be a win. Charlie Five, before we move into our conversation with John Samuel Shanker, how could people hear you and find you and all that stuff? Find <laughs> me on Twitter at the underscore Charlie underscore five. You can find me in the all Locked on Auburn Discord every single day. Uh, AuburnLive.com, the corner message board, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday on the dad bod golf pod war eagle coming up on the show in just a moment our conversation with auburn tight end john samuel shanker our weekly visit with auburn tight end john samuel shanker brought to you by the crawford willis group at exp realty for all of your auburn opelike and lee county real estate needs visit crawfordwillisgroup.com john samuel shanker are the rumors true? I've heard this number change has made you at least twice as fast as you were a year ago. Can you confirm this? I would like to think so. Uh, yeah, for some reason, after that uh, running with Reed thing, everyone's been asking me that question. Um, 
A lot of people have said it makes me look thinner, so I'll take that. Yeah, just watching your practice. I mean, it, it seems like uh, it seems like you're moving around a lot uh, um, in the passing game, which is obviously what we saw. You kind of take a big step forward last year, right? I mean, you had the best season for an Auburn tight end ever. And a lot of folks are expecting you to take that next step again. I mean, is there any pressure with that? Or is this kind of the thing where like, okay, I've done this. Uh, I know what I need to do. I just need to go out and do it. Yeah, I think it's more just capitalizing on what happened last year. I don't think it's – no, there's no stress or pressure there because um, I know what I have to do um, to be at my best. And in the tight end room, we all do a great job of doing that. And um, it's never about, you know, the accolades or anything like that. But if that's what helps us win win games, and that's that's what we're going to try and do. So, over the weekend, TJ Finley was named the starting quarterback. Was, was that something that um, that you kind of saw coming? Was it something that was a bit of, of a surprise, or did you expect the the competition to go longer? What was your reaction to TJ Finley being named starting quarterback? No, I thought TJ won it this past week. I thought that he separated himself. Um, you know, for a while there, I didn't know. For a little bit, but um, this past week, I would I was not surprised when they announced him. I I thought he did a great job, and um, he was deserving of it after uh, wrapping up this past week and all that he did um, throughout practices and everything. So um, I saw it coming. Uh, I didn't know when they announced, but I I had a good idea that it'd be TJ. Sure. What was it that he did this past week that you said, okay, yeah, this is probably the guy? I think it was just. His focus got real. He got really, really focused in on the playbook and operating the offense um, in a timely fashion. And that's all you can ask for quarterback is just be able to run the offense um, in a way that doesn't allow hiccups and things like that, gets people aligned and stuff like that. Uh, and I thought he did a great job of that this week. His urgency was a lot better. I think he just he started to really understand the offense more. I think kind of clicked this past week and. Um, obviously, as we get closer to the season, you know, um, intensity builds. And I think that was where he separated himself. So obviously, this applies to TJ. Obviously, this applies to you. And it applies to pretty much all of the tight ends, as well as most of the wide receivers, John Samuel. But this is the second year in the Brian Harson era of Auburn football. Obviously, a, a change in offensive coordinator. But you got to think that the, the offense is going to be similar to what it was a year ago. How much of an advantage has this been, you know, this year going into the season versus last year at this time? Oh, this is, it's huge. You get, this is the first time in like four years that we've had the, the same, we've had a repeat of the same playbook, um, yes. which is huge for guys on the offensive side. Cause now you can really hone in on the details and things like that. When you used to, you're just trying to survive and know the plays and know where to line up and things like that. Cause there's so much in a playbook, but now, especially in the tight end room, we're very detail-oriented now with the plays because we know our assignments and where we're aligned. Now it's really about the details and making sure we win every play. And, and I was talking about this with Micah Riley-Ducker on the show a few weeks ago, but the tight ends, I mean, you guys have to learn, you know, where you are. Uh, a lot of pre-snap motion, it sounds like, and then obviously the, the blocking side of it, obviously the route running side of it. There's a lot of information to digest. Uh from you know when the play is put in there from when you have to execute just a few seconds later yeah that's you know that's part of being a tight end in in this offense is you have to know everything and i, that's, I think that's a pretty cool opportunity 
Because mm-hmm. um, then you can also be another quarterback on the field um, for guys that may not know where to line up on certain plays and things like that. So it's it's a pretty cool opportunity. Now it's a lot on you, but um, that's the responsibility as a tight end. I mean, most offenses, tight ends are very flexible, so you, you do really need to know most of the playbook. Um, but we like to think of ourselves another quarterback on the field um, just for alignments and assignments for guys if things get a little hairy um, here and there. Sure. Our weekly conversations with John Samuel Shanker are brought to you by the Crawford Willis Group at EXP Realty. You can check out all of their real estate services, whether you're an out-of-towner looking to get game day properties or, or you know potential rental properties, or my family, we've used them to find our next home as we are moving in just a few weeks. We will trust them to, to make sure everything is tied up there, as well as selling our home once, uh, once we get all our stuff out of here. But check out the great folks at Crawford Willis Group at EXP Realty, CrawfordWillisGroup.com. John Samuel Shanker, it is finally game week going into the season. How exciting is it to know that you're going to be hitting other people, not people on your team? <laughs> Man, that's, you know, you go through all this work and, and things like that for these opportunities. Coach Harson, you know, says it all the time. We have three and a half hours for all the work that we put in um, since January. Yeah. And that's, that is such a small amount of time. And um, to be at our best in those three and a half hours is the goal. Um, but it is super exciting and to play in front of our, our fans, you know, scrimmages in there and Jordan hair. Awesome. But without the fans, it's, there's nothing like it. So um, we were very excited and it's finally here. So give us a peek behind the curtain as much as you can on this. Obviously, there's a point in fall camp where you switch from it being fall camp to it being, you know, okay, let's let's prepare for the season. How much film study has there been over the last few weeks for Mercer versus, you know, other teams kind of down the schedule? How do you kind of balance all of that? Uh, well, we we don't see anything but Mercer. Um, okay. Now, we'll have analysts and things that will go ahead and start um, evaluating tape for other teams, but they won't show us anything other than Mercer, um, which is – I think that's how it should be. You know, you just focus on the first opponent because um, you can't be one know without being them. So, um, no, we don't see anybody else. We we started looking at Mercer um, last week, I believe, was the first week. And uh, so we get an extra week on Mercer. And then, obviously, once we get in the next week, um, we'll focus on that team. Sure. It's kind of a unique situation that you guys get game tape on the first opponent because they played in week zero. It, has that happened before while you've been at Auburn? It's pretty unique, right? Yeah, no, that hasn't happened. That's it's kind of, it's really awesome. Cause that first game, you never really know what they're going to come out with. And it, I don't really like first games in that, from that standpoint, cause they can bring out anything, you know, they, if they have a coordinator change or things like that, like you never know what they're going to bring out. So um, to have that is really nice just to see, you know, their personnel and, and kind of their their schemes. I mean, they might have a few new ones for us, but yeah. overall we know what they're going to come out in for the most part. Um, so that can be a big advantage for sure. Yeah, yeah. Ran a lot of four two five against Moorhead State. You know, th- there's no telling what they'll, uh, what they'll throw out against you guys. But when you watch Mercer, I mean, what impresses you about this defense? Very physical. They play really hard. Uh, that was the one thing that stood out to me is they're coming downhill and they're going to hit you and they're going to play really hard. Um, and, you know, when you play teams like that, when they come to, 
to a big school like Auburn, I mean, this is a big game for them. You know, this is a chance for them to shine on a big stage. Um, so when the, when these t- kind of teams come into town, it's it's serious, and you can't take any team lightly. Um, and it's an opening game, so there's no reason for us not to be amped up for this one. John Samuel Shanker, thank you so much for your time. Looking forward to doing this every week throughout the season, man. And uh, best of luck in the, the opener against Mercer. Yes, sir. War Eagle. Thank you so much to John Samuel. Thank you so much to Charlie Five. And thank you so much to Barbaritos, of course, over here in Auburn, next to the Auburn Mall, for uh, taking really good care of us today. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.